leadership in cybersecurity isn't just about understanding threats. It's about leading a team to navigate them with confidence. At CPF Coaching LLC, we specialize in taking your leadership skills to the next level. With over 15 years in the cybersecurity field, we empower professionals and startups to reach unprecedented heights. Imagine having a personalized coaching experience tailored to your unique career ambitions. From strategic planning to masterful pitch and interview preparations, we're here to guide you through every challenge. Join us for our unique value proposition workshops or dive into our vibrant learning community for continuous skill advancement. Don't just be a part of the industry. Redefine it. Visit cpfcoaching.com for more information. Discover the leader within. Contact CPF Coaching LLC today and schedule your strategic session. Welcome to another episode of Breaking into Cybersecurity Leadership, where we talk to cybersecurity leaders about their journey into cybersecurity. Today's episode is going to be a little bit different. We're going to talk with a leader in cybersecurity recruiting. And what we want to do is dig into a little bit more as to what's wrong with cybersecurity recruiting. What can we do to fix it? and just talk through that problem, fireside chat style. Today, we have Jerry, who's joining us from Redbeard Solution. Jerry, give us a little bit about your background. Sure, um, my name is Jerry. As Chris was kind enough to point out, I've been in this business for about 23 years. I started my career as a technical recruiter. I moved on from that to sales management, branch management. I ran the New England market for Kelly IT many years ago. I moved from that to consulting where I owned a management consulting firm that focused on technical security companies' growth. As part of that, I took leadership roles, typically long-term contracts as an executive leader. And in that capacity, I built technology teams from the inside of companies instead of the outside of companies, as I've done in the past. I also built internal recruitment teams. And strangely enough, as part of that was recruited by an outside firm to work for another. So I've really sat in every seat that we're going to discuss today. And from that experience, that kind of whole circle experience, I've developed some pretty strong opinions about where the market works and frankly, more often where it doesn't. Let's start from quote unquote, the beginning. So I would say the beginning is the employer thinking or wanting an employee to hire because they have a need or they foresee they have a need. What are some of the problems that we're seeing there and what can we do to fix that side of things? You know, that's a great place to start, Chris. I want to focus on something you said that I think is key in this. When they plan to hire somebody, when they foresee having a need, that doesn't happen often enough. Now, I appreciate that things happen in business all the time, plans change. But the biggest problem in all of recruiting is reactive recruiting. The more often that we as an organization go out to the marketplace and just hunt for who's available today, the more reactive we are, the less we do. So the first thing a company can do is to try to do hiring plans for the future and to forearm their internal recruitment teams with the needs they anticipate over the next six, three, and one months. That gives that internal recruitment team an opportunity to 
not only push back to that manager and ensure that they fully understand the role and what's needed, what's nice to have, and what this role can offer to a candidate in the marketplace, but it also gives them time to go into the marketplace, find the places where those candidates reside, and start to develop the relationships that build the trust to allow them to draw the best candidates available, and most importantly, the candidates to whom this is the best opportunity. You mentioned something, pushing back to the manager to figure out what they need. How, how do you help managers figure out what they need? Because oftentimes you're like, oh, I need a security engineer. And then they think of this whole long list of requirements that a security engineer needs, but they probably haven't gone back and done an assessment as to where their teams are, what capabilities their team has, and then truly where the need is. How can we help managers and recruitment teams really figure out that need so that they can find a candidate that meets those requirements? And then when there's all the bonuses, treat those as bonuses rather than as requirements. What a great question. So the key here is this, and it's something that we need to remember and fair enough, something of a generality, but still a pretty darn near universal truth. Most folks who got into tech and tech leadership didn't do it because they enjoy human resources. Most of them did it because they love tech and they love leading technologists. But again, generality, but darn near universal truth. Most of these folks, the least favorite part of their job is the human resources piece. So what happens a shocking amount of time is that when that leader knows that they need a new SOC analyst, that they need a new cybersecurity architect, they need a new whatever, they go back to an old job description, dust it off and say, good enough. They give that to the recruiting team. The recruiting team goes to market, finds candidates that they perceive to be a match and start presenting them. And then and only then, does that manager do their, their, their true due diligence and compare the candidates they're seeing versus what they really need and start to give feedback to the recruitment team? This is bad for a lot of reasons. From a company perspective, it's bad for their employment brand because that folk is out there, that recruiter is out there looking for folks that really aren't a match for the role. It's quite obviously bad for the candidates who are having their time wasted, but it's super bad for the company's employment brand because they're they're sending news out to the marketplace that they're not really ready for prime time. And it, it, what I've seen as best practices in the industry and teams that grow much better and have a, bet, a much better reputation in the marketplace is that recruiter has the authority with the organization to go back to a manager and, get, and give real feedback. Things like, hey, this is exactly the same as the role you gave me a year ago and your team has changed or we've changed our tech stack. Is this accurate? And to do that before they go to market, this happens most effectively when we proactively recruit. When again, we're looking at a hiring plan, six, three, and one months in the future, giving that time to the recruiter and the manager to craft a good opportunity for the marketplace. Did that answer your question for us? It did. And then it made me think about that same, you said that same job role as a year ago. How can we help? hiring managers develop that talent pipeline so that they can graduate their hire from last year and ensure that you're growing in the company while ensuring that you bring in more junior level talent where to help fill that need. 
rather than double stacking seniors all the time. And then you have resources that you're likely paying too much for that are being bored and then you're overpaying them for that. Yeah, that's a great question. And it, I could spend hours on that. So I'm going to do my best to be succinct, which we both know is not my strongest gift. But let me say this. So there's two ways that can be dealt with internally and externally. Internally, it's about valuing and remembering that recruiters aren't just candidate monkeys. Their job isn't just to go out to the into the candidate forests and pull candidates off of candidate trees and bring them in by the score. A, because there's never a score of them in the cybersecurity world, and B, because that's ridiculous. If you look at most organizations, the first place to get cut is internal recruitment whenever there's a challenge. This is a disservice for enormous amounts of reasons, but not least of all, it's wasting a valuable resource. If we can keep the recruiters a little more focused on the entire life cycle of a person's time within an organization, then we can achieve what you're describing internally. Externally, unfortunately, the way the talent acquisition market and staffing agencies is structured, that's impossible. That's why at Redbeard Solutions, we created a recruitment as a service platform to move people away from that mercenary fill-by-fill structure and to move our organization into more of a consultant, true partner relationship with the company. As part of our platform, we do just that. We advise the managers on their hiring plans, on how to best work with that talent when they're onboarded. And when they're onboarded, we maintain that relationship to ensure that both parties, kind of like a marriage counselor, are getting their needs met and growing. But it really is a mix of internal and external that can solve that problem. But most important, you've got to, you hit it on the head, you've got to remember that, that hiring a person is only step one. Retention is the more important step, and that's step two. And if you're hiring folks that are at or above the level that you need, then you've got a recipe for a bored person and bored people don't stay. So mm. I couldn't agree more. Yeah, uh, th- thanks for tackling that. So it sounds like now we've, we tackled how to hire and how to hire within a pipeline. For the recruiters out there, what are some of the things that they can do to help recruit in, I don't know how to say this without painting anyone in a bad picture, but how can we help them recruit better? I'm going to tackle something you are gentle enough to slide over, and that's that recruiters have a bad rep- reputation. In some instances, fair enough, it's deserved. In others, they're also a pretty easy carve out. So if I'm talking to a manager in a company, a CISO or a director of security, their complaints will be candidates are ghosting me. The candidates are awful. Recruiters are the worst. They bring me under, over, not qualified folks, blah, blah, blah. If I talk to candidates in the marketplace, they're going to say to me, managers have unrealistic expectations. They're they want me to have five years of experience and a CISP for this entry-level SOC 1 job. Recruiters are the worst. They waste my time. They ghost me. If I talk to recruiters, they say, hire managers have unrealistic expectations and candidates ghost me. I mentioned this before answering your question because the problem here is the way that the market is structured. That's the problem. It creates, and I used the word before, a reactive recruiting marketplace where nobody has opportunity to be at their best. So with that preface, let me say this. 
aside from the recruiters who are genuinely doing a bad job, who deserve the black eye that they get, let me pick up the sword for the recruiters for a second. The way recruit, internal recruiters can do better is to work closely in alignment with your, man, with your hiring managers, your internal tech leaders, and push back professionally. So make sure that, again, using our silly example from before, if this job description you're given is identical to the one that you got last year from that manager, and you know that the team is different, the dynamic isn't the same, or the tech stack is different, say something. Whatever means you have in your team, say something. Because all that you're going to do is waste your candidates' time because you know that when the manager sees those candidates, they're not going to be in that. If you're an external recruiter, it's a little bit hard, harder. The contingency staffing model sucks. It's the worst. Some of the best recruiters I've worked with in my entire career work out in staffing firms. But the staffing model of contingency labor is the biggest break in the industry. That recruiter has very little recourse. If they're very experienced and have a strong reputation, they'll have more of an ability to push back. But for the most part, they have very little ability to push back. Their only recourse is do their best and see what they can do with a broken job order or decline the order and move on to another client. And when you, in a model where you eat what you kill, that's a tough call. With them, I will say that it's in their best interest and their managers might hate me for saying this, to push back. And if the manager isn't receptive, then to realize this is probably not a good role for them. One of the things that you see often or that better agencies ask clients when they're looking at onboarding them and working on their roles is they'll ask the question, how long has this position been open? And if that manager says six months, I've always tried my recruiters to follow that up with how many other firms have worked on it. And then if that manager says five, 10, whatever the number is, I'll ask what's changed since then? Have you changed your order all? The answer is no. I know that statistically, I'm likely to be the next failed agency. I just tell the recruiters not to bother. They're wasting their time. But that's a tough pill to swallow when you work on contingency in a bad job or an order feels like, you know, better than no job order. To be even less succinct, I'd say the best thing they can do is to respectfully and professionally push back and work the kinks out of the order before they go to the market. You mentioned is the recruiter saying, has the tech stack changed? I don't know many recruiters that actually know the tech stack and know things like that. What are some of the things that we can do to really ensure that the recruiters are aware of what they're recruiting for so that when they do speak to candidates, they're at least informed about what they're recruiting for and can talk to it? That's a great question. And this is a place where I have a pretty strong, firm stance. If you make the career decision to become a technical recruiter, a cybersecurity recruiter, or I assume, because I don't know the other disciplines, any other type of a specialized recruiter, it's incumbent upon you to learn the space. Now, as a cybersecurity recruiter, you don't need to get your security plus, you don't need to get a CIP, you don't need to be able to push the buttons and write the code. You do need to understand what goes with what, what applies to what career track and understand that if a person says they can do this thing, it's connected to that thing. If you can't do that's on you to learn. Now, if you work for an internal recruitment team where you have a massive number of roles that you work across a diverse spectrum, that organization is setting that person up to fail. They can't be a master of cybersecurity, accounting, and law. That's an unfair ask. 
if you work for one of the giant generalist firms where you're working on a CISO role in the morning, an agriculture engineer in the afternoon, and in between you're trying to find a, somebody who does janitorial services, once again, you're being set up to fail. So assuming one of those two cases isn't your situation, it's up to you to learn the space. This isn't a clever backdrop. Those are all books. I read endlessly, and that's what it means to be in this space. Chris has written some wonderful books about breaking into the cybersecurity area. That's a great read for a cybersecurity recruiter, because if they understand the landscape, they can better speak to the needs and wants. And trying to stay germane to our topic, they can know when to push back on a manager who says, for this entry-level SOC 1 person, they need to have a CIS. That's exactly how my co-host five years ago came into the field, Renee Small. She started as a recruiter and then was put in charge of a technical department and ended up learning it that way. So we've touched on the recruiting aspect. We've touched on the training aspect. Now, what about the candidates aspect? What can we do to help the candidates improve their search experience and improve their interview experience? Great question. So first things first, understand the dynamic of the marketplace. For the entire time that I've been involved in cybersecurity recruitment, the mid and senior level jobs do not have enough candidates. And the entry level folks, there's a lot of them. So if you're breaking into the industry, it's incumbent on you to do your homework and to put yourself out there. So learning the material and being able to do the job is quite obviously the first spot. And podcasts like this are super helpful. The second thing is to make your presence known to be out there on platforms like LinkedIn, to become active in user groups, to start to get to know the internal recruitment teams of companies that you're interested in joining, to take a minute and learn the leadership in the cybersecurity space in those companies and start, it sounds a bit stalkerish, but start following that, start following their content, start commenting. And if you are able to engage that person, it's a hundred percent okay to say, hey, I'm an entry-level person in your space, and I'd like to be a part of your team. Now, understand that the majority of the time, they're going to refer you to recruiting. That's recruiting's job, after all. Be grateful, take that referral, and go. But don't discontinue your, co your contact with that manager. Be your own best advocate. And also, and I fully appreciate this is easier to say than don't take these things personally. You're... When you're hunting for a job, especially breaking into a new field, you're a salesperson and your job is selling yourself to that first role. So as a salesperson, one one how to thick skin, understand that though them not getting back to you is unprofessional and rude, though their terse and short replies are not great to hear, on their side of the fence, they're probably getting a thousand outreaches. So do what you can to be an attractive an attractive candidate and avoid, and I know, again, this is hard to do, avoid letting off steam and venting on the platform where you're trying to attract that, that, that job. So writing a post about your latest horrible interview will feel good in the moment, but it's not going to do you any favors. That's what your circle of friends and family are for. And I'm not saying your feelings aren't valid. They are, but it doesn't serve you to vent there. So I guess the first thing is make sure you've got the skills that you're trying to, to get a job for. Second thing, advocate for yourself, have a strong presence, 
third thing, remember who you're talking to and where you're saying those things. Just like you wouldn't go to a company mixer and make a fool of yourself, you don't want to go on LinkedIn, create a presence that doesn't help you to meet your end. The last question, now for the more mid to senior candidates, how does their job search differ from those of someone breaking in? Yeah, I'll tell you, and it's funny. I have few career regrets, but the king of them by far is not taking my professional network more seriously earlier on in my career. I worked with some incredible folks early on, and I wish I'd maintained strong relationships with more of them. So let me say this. As a mid or senior level person, your strongest resource besides your reputation is your network. That's the order. Reputation number one, network number two. You absolutely want to work that network. Be present and active on platforms like LinkedIn. Maintain relationships with folks that you worked with in the past. And when you start to get a feeling that it may be time for a career change, reach out to them first. A third tool that's overlooked is to develop a relationship with three to five external recruiters. Okay? Just three to five. More than that's not a good use of your time. And if folks in that aren't doing what you needed to do, then replace them with another. But by doing that, the probability of that one of them having a role when you need it is far better. So that read my three biggest pieces of advice. Number one, protect your reputation at all costs. That's the most important thing. The next thing is to work your network. Your professional network will always be there the best way to your next role. And then the third thing, Maintain a relationship with three to five external recruiters who are super niched into your space and who have the types of roles that you can help. I'll use myself as an example. I'm a cybersecurity and tech person, but the overwhelming majority of roles that I see are mid to senior level individual contributor roles. I help leaders where I can, but frankly, I don't do a lot of executive search. So while I appreciate relationships with CISOs, they're more one way in that I can likely provide them talent than I can provide them a role. Jerry, thank you so much for jumping on today and joining us and sharing your knowledge. Really appreciate it. Look forward to having another chat later in the future about different things. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. You have a great time, Chris. And thanks again for talking with me. In the rapidly evolving world of cybersecurity, your business needs a guide that's as dynamic as the threats you face. CPF Coaching LLC delivers unparalleled expertise to elevate your cybersecurity startup or business with a decade and a half of specialized experience. We're not just advisors, we're your strategic partners in growth and risk mitigation. Our tailored advisory services range from immediate hourly guidance to comprehensive three or six month packages, all supported with encrypted messaging for real-time assistance. For more information, cpfcoaching.com is your destination. Forge a path to success and distinction in the cybersecurity landscape. Connect with CPF Coaching LLC today and secure your business's future.